I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Yo, what's happening, Rush Nation? It's Friday, it's a bonus pod time, it's just me. And I thought what I would do is continue on from the ADP series last week when I talked about the redraft 1QB ADP. And I got a lot of amazing feedback on that. So really appreciate it. I think a lot of people found it useful just to see what's going on in drafts, what's going on, what are the trends. So I thought I would do a Superflex one as well. And I thought, what better time to do it than coincide it with the start of the FFCC, which is a Superflex PPR league, and talk through what's going on with the ADP in there. And I know lots of people, including myself, done Warrior Bowl drafts. That's slightly different because it's quite kinky scoring, but... With the FFCC in particular, it is a just a standard best ball super flex PPR league. So the PPR redraft ADP is somewhat relevant, especially in the early rounds. In the later rounds, it'll be less relevant. But I'm going to give some extra strategy and tips as to how you can really maximize those drafts. And I thought this is a good time to, to go through it. Before I get into it, I just want to go into just a couple of pieces of news that have happened this week. And let's just uh, qualify where we are with, with all this piece of news. So first is um, obviously Cam Akers injury. He's gone down and he's out for the season with that torn Achilles. Now I've said time and time again that he was a player at his ADP 
wasn't a big fan of and don't have a lot of shares of him. This isn't me taking a victory lap far from it. I don't ever wish anyone any injuries on, on anybody. But the reason I make that point is exactly the same point of what's now going to happen to Darrell Henderson. So now Darrell Henderson is going to be the running back there. And for the same reasons, I'm just a bit cautious of where he might go. Now, I've yet to see some strong ADP data, but I'm seeing people reach for him late second, early third round, thinking, well, he's not going to have a lot of competition. It's not always about talent, especially at the running back position. It is about how they scheme and how they do things. They've got a lot of running backs on their roster. They've got Xavier Jones. They've got Jake Funk. They've got Raymond Calais. Uh, I'm pretty sure that John Kelly might still be there, but he might not be. Um, so don't quote me that one. But those three are definitely there. They might sign someone. And I just think with the way that McVeigh, I didn't believe that Cam Akers was going to have 100% or even 90% or even 80% of the workload. And I don't think that just because Henderson is here, that is likely to happen. So just be a bit, a bit cautious. I think for me right now, I would be comfortable taking him maybe the back end of the third in a redraft league. I think maybe the middle. And if you've got a strong conviction, then then fine. I'm just not sure if I'm sold on this second round conversation yet. I do think Xavier Jones is worth a late round add. I think even Jake Funk is the last pick, I think, is worth a late round add. It doesn't pan out. You can you can cut them. So that's my my first feelings on that. Obviously gutted for, for Cam Akers and really hope that he gets better soon, but also just be mindful of, don't just take the narrative of, well, Henderson's the last running back on the roster. They've invested significant draft capital on, therefore he's going to get all the work. Don't take that as a given. That's just not how Sean McVay runs that offense. So just be a bit careful, but definitely be looking to see what you can do to get Henderson if, if the price is right. Let's talk about DeAndre Hopkins. Now, he put a, a tweet out yesterday, and I took a screen grab and I sent it to people, and he's deleted it since, with regards to saying he's questioning his future in, in the NFL because of the vaccination policy and everything that came out yesterday with the players will not get paid if an unvaccinated person is the reason why they have had to cancel a game and therefore lose the game by forfeit. They won't get their paychecks. It's going to be an interesting one. I think now the NFL have made a bit of a rod for their backs. They've kind of, I think, listen, I'm not one to weigh in. I've had my vaccines. I, I encourage people to get vaccines, but it is a personal choice. I do think this is an interesting place that they have put people in now with players. And I think they are not just forcing people to players to get vaccines, but they are also going to punish them financially, not just them, but everybody on the team, which is going to create a pretty nasty atmosphere if someone doesn't want to get a vaccine for a personal choice. And I think that's a really difficult position that the NFL have put players in. And I think you're going to see more tweets like this. Don't think that... I don't think Hopkins is going to retire. I think far from it. I think the fact he's deleted the tweet probably tells you all you need to know. Um, he's clearly angry, which, you know, there is a part of me that understands that immensely, given the way that this has been handled. I think a compromise will be struck. So I, I don't, don't take the 
the Watson retirement fears and think this is going to happen. I think this is slightly different to the Cole Beasley ones, although he has said he wants to profit from vaccines. So, you know, all for him. Um, I think this is slightly different. So I, I think that I wouldn't be too worried about Hopkins and you might see a small knock on his ADP, but I wouldn't be concerned. I'd just take the value. I think he, he's going to be fine. He's going to play. He put out a tweet, I think, afterwards saying that he's got about nine years left in him. So that already says that I think he just wrote something off the off the cuff. I think he got the reaction he kind of was looking for to put some pressure on. And I think he's happily deleted it. Last piece of really interesting news. Now, I heard murmurs of this earlier in the week. Um, and it looks like it's coming to fruition that, that Deshaun Watson... There's a 90% chance he becomes a Philadelphia Eagle, Eagle according to, to beat writers. Now, this is really interesting because I definitely can see it happening. And, and that points two things. One, what does this do for Deshaun Watson's legal troubles? And is there significant legal trouble? And is he going to miss a significant amount of time? I still don't think he's going to miss more than four games. That's a personal opinion. I can't see how the league bans him for a year. Because it's a civil matter, not a criminal matter. They're not going to dispose anyone till 2022. And, and I have been seeking some legal advice from from Drew Davenport of Football Guys. And he's probably a bit more cautious than, than I am. But I just think I look at the conduct policy. He could get six games. He could get eight games. He could get four. I just find it a little bit difficult for me to see how he's going to get more than four games as it stands. But even if it's eight games... If he becomes an eagle, and the fact that the eagles are even exploring this, if this is true, and he's, he could and might become an eagle, I think that says to me that I'm basically not going to be drafting Jalen Hurts anymore because I don't like that situation of... I, I like the fact like for this season that I thought Hurts could be the guy and he'll have the chance to, to win the job, and I liked what he did on the ground um, to make him a viable fantasy football quarterback. I'm now looking at that situation thinking... There's just no way with all this news that I can feel comfortable taking Hurts because the best case scenario is nothing happens. But the fact they're even talking about this, and there has to be significant talks for this to even be a discussion, says they're not committed to him long term. And that may, might be, again, it's fine for the season, but it's a lot of risk for where his ADP is right now to be considering this. So just my advice, I would be fading Jalen Hurts um, significantly just while this is bubbling because I think there is something to this significantly and I do think that Jalen Hurts is someone that the, the franchise aren't all invested in and they might roll with him for the season and he might do fine but I just don't know I just think the fact that this Deshaun Watson news even if Deshaun Watson um, does move and if he does have legal troubles and even if he, he misses eight games that could mean Jalen Hurts only plays eight games. So I just think for where his ADP is right now, he has a significantly higher risk to not finish the season than I think almost anybody else. So in his ADP range, and I'll get into his ADP range very shortly, I'm out now on Hurts. And I think you should be too. So let's talk about these ADP ranges. Now, I, I will state that this is from the same data that we looked at before with the last week's data and if you haven't listened to last week's episode on redraft uh one qb go back and listen to it because th there is some things i'm not going to cover again such as the late round flyers the late round trends because i feel like i've done that and they're not going to change too much from uh, superflex to 
to redraft one QB. So I don't feel the need to talk about those those flyers and those situations, people like Terrence Marshall Jr. and Robbie Anderson and Brandon Cooks and Russell Gage. I think, you know, listen to those discussions and Antonio Brown. So listen to last week's pod if you haven't. Listen to that one first and then come back because the strategy of the points are still going to be relatively similar, but I'm just not really going to go into the late round guys. Instead, I'm going to talk more some strategy. So let's go into the ADP data. What I'm going to say about this, I'm really only going to cover the first five rounds. And what I will say is that it's very stagnant, very, 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 very flat. And we talked last week around the redraft, 1QB. There was a lot, a lot of ADP movement, significant changes, players sliding down half a round, players sliding down a third of a round, etc. This isn't in play here. I'm looking at the numbers and they're significantly smaller. Uh, the biggest change I can see is I can see a player climbing three, a player falling three spots. Uh, and that happens, I think, once each time. It's very, very little movement. So that points to me two things. Uh, and I'd love to get the raw data in terms of how many drafts Sleeper have have combined in this. Um, and I've actually got an email from someone, so I'm actually going to get that information. But it says to me that either Superflex redraft leagues have dropped off in the last couple of months or the last month, and that might be the stagnant, or that people are being very chalky and are just following the ATP. And I think it could be a combination of the two. It might be that just people are very chalky. Uh, and if that's the case, that's that's great news for you because effectively with this data, you're going to get the answers to the test. If people are very chalky on their pigs and they're following the ADP and, and from looking at the research here, the first five rounds, there's very, very, very little movement. You can predict what's going to happen. And if that's the case, you now know in advance who's going to be falling back to you. So you can now make really good assumptions on who you might need to quote-unquote reach for or who you, you can feel comfortable taking. So that's the first thing I would say on this. So let's go through it, and then I'm going to go through some trends at the end. Round one, first 11 picks are exactly the same. So McCaffrey, Mahomes, Cook, Allen, Henry, Murray, Barkley, Kamara, Taylor, Jackson, Prescott. They are the first 11 from June to July in that order. There is absolutely no change. So they are the lock stock top 11 picks in the round, which is interesting. And I think is pretty consistent with what I've seen on the whole. And uh, You're looking at five QBs and six running backs, no wide receivers off the board. So in the Superflex, that, that's to be expected. I, I kind of get that. I don't really have any strong feelings other than what I might have said last week with a bit surprised to see Ezekiel Elliott there and Ezekiel Elliott someone I would probably have over Taylor and and Barkley in particular but I think other than that there's not really a lot I can I can kind of say on on that I think it is what it is um, and it's been flat and consistent so there's not a lot of change the one change is that Nick Chubb has dropped out of the uh, top 12 he was 12th in June. He is now 13th in this data. So in the course of a month, he's dropped one spot, which isn't overly significant uh, in any stretch of the imagination. So, um, but obviously from a round perspective, he drops from 
uh, the the twelfth, the first round to the second round, which actually it's the same player picking. So I guess at that point it's more stylistic choice, isn't it? More than more than anything. So I think when it comes to that, I I get it. I would probably be more inclined to take Kelsey than than anyone here. So I don't have a big problem with that, and I'd probably be taking Kelsey over Chubb. Hill is the one that also falls down a spot as a result of all this as well. So not a big surprise, but I think it's just something to, to monitor and, and keep an eye on. So Chubb has fallen back a little bit, only one spot. Kelsey's jumped up two, Tyree Hill's dropped back one. So nothing too significant in this data to, to read too much on, but that's just one to, to keep an eye on. So as I mentioned, looking at the next round, you've got Chubb and Hill at the top of that round now. So Chubb falling out and Hill uh, popping up the top of that round, which is kind of where he was anyway. Um, we've seen a slight drop in Ezekiel Elliott, but not uh, significantly. In fact, he's the same. He's in the same spot. Devontae Adams is in the same spot. So it's very, very flat round here. You're looking at Wilson and Diggs swap spots. Harris and Hopkins at the very end of the round have, have swapped uh, spots. So very, very little movement over the last sort of month or so on these players. So this second round is looking pretty flat. You've got Hill. I'm just looking at this now. Sorry. You've got Chubb, Hill, Elliott, Herbert, Adams, Jones, Akers, which, which are now, this data does reflect Akers in it. So obviously that won't be the case anymore. Diggs, Wilson, Eckler, Harris, and Hopkins. And that's kind of your second round as it stands right now. And again, not one to really quibble too much with, with that. I think there's... I think for me, Elliot's the one I think is a great price at that range. I think Adams is a great price at that range. I think the the Rogers uh, in uncertainty is definitely playing in to his price. I think Diggs is huge at that range as well. I can't really argue with with anyone else uh, in this range at all. I think it makes complete sense with what people are doing in in this round. We get to round three. Bit of a difference. AJ Brown has taken a, a bit of a dive as it's not a, a big shock given that six weeks ago he was in the second round. The Julio Drains Jones trade has happened uh, and he has now fallen five spots in six weeks. He's fallen a couple of spots in, in four weeks. So the impact that trade now is he's a third round pick. I think that's a fair price. Why receive six? I don't think anyone can really argue. Uh, you might have a stronger case to put him in the top five. And if you do, you know, fair enough. But uh, I don't think, you know, wide receiver five is DK Metcalf at the moment. He's at the top of the third or second part of the third, uh, second pick in the third round. So you're talking two spots here. So third round is Kittle, Metcalf, Waller, Brown to start the round. I mean, I'm not, I, for me, I'd have Waller over Kittle, uh, that insurance and that safety. I, I mean, I'm not really keen on investing in Kittle until he proves, and I said this on Monday's pod with Liz Losa. Uh, just, for me, I'm just really unsure that I want to invest that kind of capital on someone like that. There's been very little movement. Metcalf's gone up one, Waller's up two. So there's a trend of people moving Waller up. I think he will come August and near the end of draft season. I think he will be ahead of Kittle. I think people are going that way now. Not a lot of other movement has happened. Gibson and Swift have swapped. So Gibson is now ahead of Swift in the middle of the third. It goes Jefferson, Ridley, Gibson, Swift. Mixon, I still think, is a great value here. Uh, taking him at the back end of the third. Clyde Hilaire, J.K. Dobbins. I, I don't understand how Swift is going ahead of any of those guys. I said this on Monday's pod. So for me, Swift is overdrafted here. 
I'm not taking him at RB14 by any stretch of the imagination. I'm definitely dropping him down. Um, and I'd have Mixon, Edward Hilaire, and J.K. Dobbins in that order above DeAndre Swift. Aaron Rodgers ends the third round. So he is the last pick of the third round. And again, I think that's just baked into the uncertainty. I think if as soon as you hear he's playing, I think he jumps up boards. Uh, he's going at QB8 right now. I think he'll go ahead of Wilson, who's going on over a round earlier, once people kind of know what's going on. This is this fourth round is interesting. So again, not a huge surprise, but there's some real takes here. So Joe Burrow is going at, and this is redraft, is going at the QB9. And I think people have bought into these weapons. I think they've now elevated him a little bit too much. Carl Pitts has jumped three spots, which is massive. Uh, Jalen Hurts I've already talked about. So Jalen Hurts is someone here. He's at QB10. He's going third pick in the fourth round. He's someone I am fading now at that price. With all this uncertainty, just for me, that worries me. Deshaun Watson will definitely start over Jalen Hurts if that trade happens. So I'd be fading Hurts at this stage. I'm not into taking a player there. I think that's too high. Michael Thomas is a massive value here. Wide receiver nine. He's going fourth pick of the fourth round. Josh Jacobs, Alan Robinson, huge value. David Montgomery, huge value. But David Montgomery is going up running back 19. I mean, talk about the massive disrespect to David Montgomery, who was the running back four last year. He's now going running back 19. It's just too far in this format. So, yeah, be fading him at all costs. Um, fading, buying him at all costs. Matt Stafford, Trevor Lawrence, Terry McLaurin, Keenan Allen again. The disrespect of Keenan Allen is, um, is unreal. People are willing to buy Justin Herbert high in the second round, but they want to pay a late four for Keenan Allen. Buy him at that position, wide receiver 12. Um, all day long, he's going to return his ADP there with no difficulties at all. And you've got Miles Sanders to end the fourth round. I think people are massively disrespecting Miles Sanders this year. I do think, and I said this on Monday's pod, I think he's someone that's worth investing in. This last round, not a huge difference. Hawkinson is seeing a lot of love at the moment. He's jumped up three spots. It's Brady, Evans. Uh, Andrews has jumped ahead of Carson. That's the only real significant change other than Hawkinson up three. Uh, Tannehill's gone ahead of Lamb, but they've effectively swapped spots. Hawkinson, I mentioned, is up three. Etienne's gone up a spot. So Godwin and Cooper slide down the board, and Julio Jones and DJ Moore continue to round off the end of the bottom of the fifth. So, again, not, not loads of player movement here. We're not seeing lots of significant changes in the draft data. And again, even into the sixth round, Chase, Hunt, Phelan, those again haven't moved at all. Ryan after them hasn't moved. So again, those four players. So you're talking the top 64 players in redraft Superflex have barely moved at all in a month, which I find really significant. It says that people are really zero in on the board or they're all reading the same data. And I think the values there, I'm, I've called them out as I've gone through. I'm looking at David Montgomery is a massive value. I'm looking at Keenan Allen is a massive value. Michael Thomas is a massive value. I think Swift is overdrafted. I think Hurts is someone you've got to fade. I think Joe Burrow is overdrafted. I think Pitts is overdrafted. Um, how Keenan Allen is going behind Terry McLaurin, I'll, I won't understand that one at all. That makes no sense. Uh, no no sense to me whatsoever. 
Um, so I'm happy to take him at the end of the fourth. But yeah, I, I, there's not a lot really going on in the this ADP data. So I go back to this is what is this data telling us? One, that people are very set on the ADP, maybe drafting off ADP. And that means that's great for you. You can start to see these values on the board. Keenan Allen, massive value. Miles Sanders, David Montgomery. And be prepared to reach a little bit for them. You know, if you're picking at the top of the fourth, you know you, you're probably going to get one of David Montgomery or Keenan Allen. If I can get one of those players in the fourth round, I'm delighted. I think that's an amazing fourth round pick. I think it's about as great a fourth round pick as you're going to get. So I really, really like this. I'm not saying you should always stick to ADP, but it's good to know this data so you can see what's going on. The other things that are really interesting to me is let's get into some of the strategy and let's look at this data, especially around the quarterbacks. Now, I think this year quarterbacks have really faded in Superflex. Normally you'd get a lot of aggression and you'd see anywhere between 18 and 20 quarterbacks come off in the first five rounds. In this data, there's 14, which is really interesting. And where the drop-off is, is in this second round. And, and I'll explain it. I'll break it down my round. Five quarterbacks going off the board in the first round, as I've already said. Makes complete sense to me. They're the top five quarterbacks in the game. They give you a significant advantage over the other quarterbacks. So five quarterbacks in round one, 100% makes sense to me. I don't really have a... a a negative thing to say about that because I think that's absolutely spot on. But there's only two quarterbacks going in round two. So if you're taking a quarterback in round two, and the only quarterbacks going in round two are, are Wilson and, and Herbert, you've either got to really love those guys. You're playing in a format like the Warrior Bowl, which rewards high first downs and um, passing completion. So those guys make a lot of sense. I took Wilson in the second round of my Warrior Bowl draft. But it's also saying, I think for me, once you go past... Wilson, maybe Rogers in the late. Is Herbert giving you that much more advantage over the next wave of QBs? Because in the third round, there's only one QB, and that is Aaron Rodgers. He's going last pick of the third round. So in the first three rounds of a super flex draft, there are eight QBs going off the board according to ADP. Now you've got to adjust accordingly to your league board and how it's going, and you might have a lot of people playing it as a 2QB and therefore a hammering quarterback. And if that is the case, you have to adjust your board accordingly. But if the ADP data is consistent and you are seeing eight quarterbacks come off the board in the first three rounds, and that that last one is the last pick of the third round. So in the first 35 picks, there's seven QBs. It's telling you you can wait on QB because there's still going to be four or five QB1s available in round four. And that, you know, I've talked about this significantly at length, thinking you need to probably be grabbing two quarterbacks in the first three rounds in the Superflex. I don't think you have to anymore because people are starting to fade that next level of quarterback. Now, I understand the advantage of I want to take two of the top five guys or two of the top six guys, and that absolutely makes sense. And that is a more than viable strategy. And I don't, I'm not going to kill anybody for doing that. But if you, unless you're that convinced, you can wait on quarterback. You can wait till round four. You can wait till round five to get that second QB, especially if you picked up one of those elite ones. Then you'll have that ability to to wait because you'll need to get the running back and you'll need to get the wide receivers to to compensate what you might have passed in order to get that elite, elite QB. So if you've picked, you know, Mahomes, Dak, Kyler Murray, for example, if you've got one of those players, you know, I strategy-wise, it'd probably be looking till round four maybe even round five to pick up that second QB. 
unless the scoring is tweaked to where you're going to get a high reward, in which case that's very, very different. But the standard PPR four point per touchdown league, you can wait on that second QB. Don't feel like you need to hammer it. So, and the ADP is telling you not to. So, you know, get that QB early and you can sleep on that second round QB. So you'll be fine. So, you know, first five rounds, 14 QBs, it goes five, two, one, four, two. So that's a key one for me. Um, 22nd running, 22 running backs coming off the board in round five, by round five says to me again, position scarcity. You're wanting to get, you're wanting to leave round five here. How I would structure this. I think my ideal roster construction here would be by round five, two QBs, two running backs, one wide receiver with the wide receiver being an elite pin. So if I'm getting the way I can see myself constructing teams based on the ADP data, if this all falls to me as it's being presented to me right now, my sort of ideal draft scenario here would be getting one of those top five QBs. So Mahomes, Murray, Prescott, uh, Allen, for example. I'd like to get one of those guys. Follow that up with two running backs. So... I'd love to be getting Zeke in the second. That would be a dream come true. Uh, if not, I'd be looking at maybe like an Eckler or Harris. I'd be following that up with maybe a Gibson, um, Mixon. Even I'd be happy at that point to reach for Montgomery over Ebertale and, and Dobbins. But that's the kind of guy I'd want to be looking at in round three. And then round four, getting Keenan Allen. And then round five, getting quarterback. So round five, you could be getting... Tom Brady, Ryan Tannehill. I think I'm I'm really happy with those guys. Like if I if I'm getting that sort of range of QB, even I mean Matt Ryan's going around six, I'm pretty happy there. So I think that's where I feel really comfortable, like as a roster construction piece. If I can start with one of those pieces with Tom Brady and Ryan Tannehill as my two, and then I'm getting you know, those running backs and then Keenan Allen, I think that's a phenomenal, or Michael Thomas, I think that's a phenomenal start. I think if I walked away from my Superflex drafts with those five players or that that kind of caliber of players in my first five rounds, I'm really happy. <laughs> like, I'm really happy. I think that that's where I'd feel really good about a team because then I'm not worried about getting too many more running backs knowing I've got two elite guys and I know I can start to build the value on wide receiver. And this is when you can start to hammer wide receiver round six these are the guys are in there robert woods tyler lockett jamal chase cooper cup deontay johnson uh you know you can go wide you go running back here look at the running backs here miles gaston mike davis javonta williams all going in this range james robinson's in this range maybe not the the guy i wouldn't mind him as a three um you got brandon i going in the seventh chase claypool in the seventh I mean, there's so many guys here that could start to look at and think, yeah, I could build a really good team, especially with the late round wide receiver guys are targeted. So there's some pieces, just some food for four, something for you to, to think about. Two other pieces from me. The first six tight ends coming off the board in the first 60 picks is too much for me. And I am the, the tight end killer, I suppose. And I know people probably don't take me seriously because don't see the value in tight ends, but this isn't a tight end premium league. Travis Kelsey in the first round, I completely get. No, I've got no issue, no dramas with taking Travis Kelsey in the first round. Like, fine. I, I'd do it. I, I don't have a problem with it. So, Darren Waller, 
I'm probably not going to do it too much, but I get it. I don't have an issue. I think that's fair. Kittle, I can't do it because of the the injury concerns. Kyle Pitts, I, when you know the only rookie has ever had a, a top five season is Evan Ingram, and you know the guy caught just over sixty balls for six touchdowns. You're not returning ADP there. I mean, like the fact that Kyle Pitts is ADP is going. He's ten picks before Keenan Allen makes no sense to me. Like it just doesn't. I don't know why you would pass on Michael Thomas and Keenan Allen and take Kyle Pitts. He's a shiny new toy. Great. But no, just not for me. So I, and Mark Andrews, we saw Mark Andrews is Mark Andrews is a 60 catch seven, eight touchdown guy. It's fine. But look what you're giving up in that range of who you can take. Same with TJ Hawkinson. TJ Hawkins is like, oh, he's going to be a target hog on, on the Lions. And, th- and that might be the case. But I don't see I don't see a path to him getting the kind of targets that, that Mike Evans is going to get in this range. And the kind of production that Mike Evans. Mike Evans is going to take is going to catch 10 touchdowns minimum this year. That's just what his role is, what he does. So if I'm spared with the choice of TJ Hawkinson or Mike Evans, there's only one winner. Mike Evans has a thousand yards every single season of his career. Like, how's that a choice? Like, it, it just isn't for me. So, I think for me, six tight ends is too much. I think you, you, you're better off if you miss on Waller and, and Kelsey. I'm happy to fade. If you really have that strong conviction of, of, of Hawkinson in round five, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. I, I don't see the value of it, but fine. But then, you know, keep this into perspective. He's coming off the board, tight end six, middle of the fifth round. The next tight end off the board is. Noah Fant, he's going a round and a half later. In fact, he's going out, yeah, probably close to two rounds later. Uh, is anyone really that excited about Noah Fant in all with Teddy Bridgewater? No, thanks. <laughs> like, no disrespect. I love Noah Fant as a player. I've talked about him many times. 22 picks difference between Hawkinson and Noah Fant. No, I don't really, not taking him in that range. So then all of a sudden, the next guy I'm really interested in who I think will be very close to TJ Hawkinson is, is Dallas Goddard. Now, the difference in ADP is 32 picks between Hawkinson and Dallas Goddard. Now, I'm more than comfortable to pull the trigger on Dallas Goddard at pick 87. That I feel good about that. Like that, that for me makes a lot of sense. Do I think that Hawkinson is 32 picks better than Dallas Goddard? Absolutely not. Just I don't see there being a significant drop in difference. I think the situations are the same. I think that, yeah, I just I just think their situations are not massively different. So I think it's very, very simple for me to to wait on someone like Dallas Goddard. We haven't even talked at this point about Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas and, and Robert Tonyan, who were the Titans three and four last year, are going at picks 105 and 106. Just so low. They're not going to be Logan Thomas is not going to be that far off TJ Hawkinson this year. Might be a little bit behind, but he's not 50 picks worse. So fade tight end. Now, last thing on the FFCC. So we've done some analysis. We're telling you what the ADP is here. And it's giving you everything you kind of need to know. But the one piece of advice is because it's best ball, actually it's two pieces of advice. The first one is Swing for those late round wide receivers. Stack as many wide receivers as you can. I've already given some names in the previous pod, but you can go even deeper. There's some guys here that are well worth playing 
on your roster because you only need to get one or two good weeks out of them. So someone for them to be viable because they'll make your roster. So someone like um, Marquis Hollywood-Brown, highly valuable in this sort of format. They're the sorts of players that will really make some damage uh, and, and, and occasionally a pop-up in your lineup. Richard Perriman, exactly the same. So those are players that are well worth targeting. So, you know, take a lot of swings at wide receiver late, you know, adding someone like Wayne Gorman with with one of your later picks isn't going to have the same impact as adding someone like Brashar Perriman. They're not going to have the same impact. So, you know, these late round tight ends, Unless you're you didn't you've, you've missed on the whole position, you're just sort of stacking a few and hoping that, that they go off makes sense. But you know, I think you can take some risks uh, really late on and just stack some really really good wide receivers. And I would be stacking far more wide receivers on my roster than running backs. I think with this sort of draft, I wouldn't be taking more than six running backs. I think you know that's the kind of maximum format. And listen to the pod that we did with Dwayne McFarlane and Brian Drake about best ball. Um, there'll be some really good tips in there around hyper fragile and all of that means. So the last one is stacking. We've talked about this on that same pod. Definitely go back and listen to it, but being able to get some stacks is going to give you a bit of an advantage, but don't reach for them. Last year I reached for the Kansas city stack and it burned me, especially in this format where you get knocked out after two weeks, you know, you need to think about your bye weeks. You need to think about staggering, staggering your bye weeks. Cause if you have all your bye weeks in the same matchup, so don't forget with the FFCC, every two weeks is a matchup and it's an elimination. So if you have all your players on a week seven, eight bye, you're pretty much ruling yourself out of the competition because that week is when you're going to get all your buys and you're going to be absolutely stuck. So you need to have adequate buy cover. And so stacking is important and it's worth doing, but overstacking is going to kill you in this format because you're going to have all those players on a bye week. And if they come on a bye week and you lose that matchup, you're eliminated. So it's very, very different to a standard format of best ball where points gathering. It's like, well, okay, you make it up because everyone has bye weeks. You have a bye week at the wrong time, but the wrong matchup, you're, you're out. So definitely good to get stacks, but you don't want to get those mega stacks. You know, you don't want to be in a position where you're taking Henry Tannehill, AJ Brown, as and Ferkser is your stack and think, yes, I've got the entire Tennessee Titans stack. That's incredible. You might even get Julio in there. You think, yeah, I've got all the Titans. Great. When the Titans are on by, all that invested capital that you've made and you think about players that you've passed in similar regions is going to really come back and bite you. So I'm not saying don't stack. I think definitely stack one or two players, but watch out for those mega stacks because I think the mega stacks in that format are really going to kill you where it's an elimination every two weeks. So think about your bye weeks think about staggering your bye week cover, make sure you've got plenty of positions uh, covered and make sure that, you know, the biggest ones are to make sure your quarterbacks aren't on the same bye week, make sure that your tight ends aren't on the same bye week because you're not going to have as many roster positions for those. So you're going to need to score points on those weeks. Make sure you've got plenty of wide receiver and plenty of running back cover for those bye weeks, especially with off your premium guys. You know, if you're drafting a premium guy in the first round, McCaffrey, Henry, and they're on bye, you almost want to have two guys to replace him because they're not going to be as productive. So you need one of them to hit. 
to be to minimize the effect so if you're just drafting one buy cover for your elite player you're going to really struggle so other things to really think about when doing this and if you draft your rb1 and rb2 on the same bye week again these are the sorts of things that really get you into trouble in this format so it's very very different format to any other league out there and especially any other best ball league out there because the bye weeks are so important so think about in fact have the bye weeks written out have them on a wall somewhere when you're going through don't take too many players from the same team because you all with the same bye week and you think of that bye week uh this this season you've got i think it's 10 week seven you've got on by buffalo dallas the jags la the vikings and the steelers so that's week seven that's a real bime again because their offense is that a lot of people will buy into. Uh, same with by week nine. You don't want to be owning all the Steelers, Buccaneers, Washington football team. Because again, that's going to leave you in a lot of trouble because all of those on buy. So yeah, just be careful with those buys. Week seven is a real killer. So, you know, I would say in this format, looking at the buys, those with the later buys. So I'd be looking at players with week 14 buys, for example, the Jets, the Dolphins, the Patriots, the Eagles have week 14 buys, week 13 buys, Panthers, Bengals, Green Bay, and Titans. So, you know, all of a sudden you're really starting to look at those later rounds, knowing that you can progress to a final four, a final eight, and then from there hoping you've got the cover to get you through. Because if you start off with too many buys, you're not going to progress too far in the tournament. This has been a longer than I thought podcast. <laughs> so I'm going to wrap this one up now, but I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've taken a lot out of this. I've given you a lot of information. It might be worth listening to a couple of times, but good luck to everybody this weekend in your Warrior Bowl drafts and all your other drafts that you're doing right now. Good luck to those of you getting ready to start off the FFCC on Monday. Uh, any questions tips comments please do get in touch and let me know but looking forward to getting that kicked off on monday please do donate the link will be in the show notes but should be in the emails you've all got you've all joined leagues from so please if you haven't donated please do but until next week rush nation don't forget keep rushing HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. 